morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. When the band began to play, the stars were shining bright. Now the milkman's on his way. It's too late to say good night. So good morning. Good morning, sunbeams will soon smile through. Good morning, good morning to you and you and you and you. Good morning, good morning. We've gabbed the whole night through. Good morning, good morning to you. Nothing could be grander than to be in Louisiana in, in the, the morning. morning. In the morning, it's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to Might you. Might be just as iffy if we was in Mississippi. When we left the movie show, the future wasn't bright. But came the dawn, the show goes on, and I don't want to say good night. Don't say good morning! Good morning! Rainbows are shining through. Good morning. Good morning. Bonjour. Bonjour. Buenos dias. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. This is Good Morning Roscommon with Jamie Finner. Um, on a Thursday morning, uh, it's very good to um, be here on a Thursday morning once again on Ross FM. Um, just talking about some of the issues that are facing young people and that will be facing young people um, in the local community. Um, we have a, a guest lecturer with us today. She's from NUIG Galway. She's a professor over the children's studies she started up the children's studies course a couple of years seven years ago i think it was seven years ago and uh, she found from being abroad she was working abroad around health promotion for years and years she's originally from israel so she was involved in um, some of the israeli palestinian peace movement and uh, some of the health issues with children uh, from from the issues that were coming up there, which are very similar to issues that are in Ireland and all over the world. So we're going to be chatting to her later. Um, a lot of the show is going to be about trying to create some change and um, trying to create, trying to build, I suppose, a critical mass or build a build um, a type of um, how would I say it to build something that's uh, that that we can look at the, the broader political issues around um, racism, discrimination, um, social justice, uh, lots more issues like that, um, whether it's through the environment or whether it's through um, institutionalised racism or whatever the case may be. And again, you can call in to us at 83 uh, yeah, so that's great. Okay, we're waiting for things to change as opposed to going out and um, making things happen. And that's what happens quite a lot is that we wait for other people to do it and then um, nothing happens or all these things are happening around us and we just socially accept that uh, racism is okay and discrimination is okay and social inequalities are okay and, and the haves and the have-nots, the... the um, the gap gets wider and wider and um, some of the uh, people in the community that are not able to afford to do things are not don't have the same access to opportunity. Uh, I know I heard there um, 
uh, during the week on the on the TV that there was um, not enough accommodation, uh, so some of the young people were going to college and they were staying in uh, staying in hotels. Uh, that's kind of unacceptable um, at this day and age. Anyways, I'm going to play this interview and uh, just have a listen and see what you think. Uh, it's um, it's pretty insightful. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, welcome to Good Morning Roscommon. Um, here we are on a Thursday morning. I am go- I have an interview um, this morning with a lecturer from NUIG Galway. Uh, she's head of the Department of Children's Studies in Galway. And uh, she's here today to talk to us. Just a little bit about around her background and also about the Children's Studies course. Uh, she was involved in setting it up um, and dealing with some of the parallels from the issues children have in Ireland at the moment, the inequalities and um, some of the difficulties children have and also uh, reflecting on some of her work she's done previously. She's from Israel, so she's been involved in um, some work over there as well. Um, we'll probably just start by introducing yourself, if that's okay. Okay, so my name is Michal Molcho. I um, I came to Ireland in 2005. Prior to that, I was uh, in Israel, and that's where I educated and started my research work. Um, and I came to Ireland as part of a... I, I was always involved in a big study that's called Health Behaviour in School-Age Children. Uh, so I was on the Israeli team, and then I was recruited to work on the Irish team, and I came to Ireland in 2005 for 18 months, and I'm still here, which seems to be common in the west of Ireland. Yeah, west of Ireland. Very important. Um, uh, yeah, so that is very interesting that you have um, that you came to Ireland and uh, studied here. What, can you tell us a little bit more about the study? So the study is uh, actually study that started in uh, 1983, uh, Ireland joined it in 1998, and we collect data from uh, school ch- school age children um, around the ages 11 to um, 10 to 17. And we're looking at health behaviors, we're looking at uh, inequalities, we're looking at discrimination, at um, um, you know perceptions of schools, um, attitudes, the relationship with parents. So it really tries to capture uh, the experiences of children. And since we collect data every four years, we do have a um, you know, large data set, large knowledge about children and adolescents um, for the last 30 years. Okay. And what other um, countries were involved in that initially? So there's right now about 51 countries. So okay. most countries in Europe, uh, and Europe is the WHO um, definition of Europe, which includes um, Eastern, Eastern Asia, actually. So we have Kazakhstan are involved. Uh, I think Azerbaijan have joined. So really across the, the, the continent rather than just Western Europe. Right. Um, with with Canada also involved. Okay. Um, right. That's very interesting. Um, I am just curious then to, uh, to see where um, that uh, moved to Ireland, what, what Ireland's influence was on that or how how Ireland got involved in the 80s, was it through um, uh, a certain government, was it through or sorry, a political party, or was it through, or what, was it through the European Union that they had to sign up to? Or So th- this, is, this is an interesting study, because unlike many other international studies, um, every country finds its way in, 
um, and it's a democratic network. Uh, it's funded by each country by their own funding mechanisms. Our, our study is uh, funded by uh, by the um, uh, department, mainly the Department of uh, of Health. Um, and what used to be the Department of Youth and um, Child and, and um, Youth Affairs. Um, in Israel back home, it used to be funded by the Department of Education. So it really depends, and it works separately. I guess um, it started in the Department of Health Promotion in the 90s, where the then uh, head of uh, department, Professor Cecily Kelleher, has joined uh, the team and uh, nominated the PI since then, Professor Serge Nigawin, uh, to lead the the, um, uh, the, the work. And uh, essentially, um, Ireland started collecting data since 1998. Um, and we constantly um, uh, we constantly um, uh, release reports um, about what we find uh, every time we collect data, special reports and um, reports on trends, just to get a sense of what's what's going on in Ireland over the years. That's great. Um, it's great work you're doing. Okay, um, that's a good place to start, uh, as in where you are right now. I just want to uh, to go back a little bit previously to um, to your work in Israel and um, and uh, you know the type of work you did with children over there and um, how that unfolded and what the learning was and what literally I suppose what you did over there. I think. Um, what one of the most influential experiences that I had uh, was during my undergrads. I did my undergrads in criminology, and as part of it, uh, we worked uh, with children that were um, institutionalized uh, in some way or another, young offenders. And um, I think working with uh, with a young person and realizing that he's there because of the circumstances, that his circumstances led him to be offender, uh, and it's not was it's not his fault. These are circumstances. This is failure of a system that can't support him. And I think to a large degree that has led me to do further research on adolescent health. Um, I did then my master's thesis using the big data sets from Israel. And that was, you know, back in, the, what, I think, 95. Um, and since then, I just continue looking at it with the focus on inequalities, because this is the one thing that really upsets me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand um, how upsetting it is, and I, I, I can imagine for our listeners, it's um, it's it's very upsetting that you know our children, um, are and our young people as well. That there is, as you know, I focus on young people here quite a lot in the shows that I'm doing, and I have been doing uh, over the last number of weeks. And uh, this is one of the reasons I'm tackling this issue. I, I, I've been tackling different issues, uh, different weeks. So last week I talked a little bit about um, the travelling community, and how um, sometimes it's 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 not the um, not the behaviour. It's the uh, it's it's where it is coming from. Um, sometimes it's where the behaviour is 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 coming from, or you know how. Um, somebody is in a position where they're caught through, uh, you know, whether it's been discriminated against. Or, uh, I suppose an example can be uh, if there seems to be a higher percentage of young traveller men that are um, that are in the criminal system, um, and sometimes people can, you know. If we call a spade a spade, people in Ireland will will say, "Well, that is because they 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 offend more, or they they're in trouble more, or they." But in the reality, that's that's not the case. Sometimes, you know, there could be 
discrimination towards travellers. So if there is an issue, I know in some of the local communities and in my own local community, if there's an issue, travellers get blamed straight away. So uh, that can be a major factor in it and it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. But um, yeah, so back to uh, what we're talking about. Um, did you come across any of the issues or, you know, is there a power struggle there with the Palestinian and Israeli it would it be similar in the sense of how power works uh, within Ireland or I suppose I want to ex- explore the idea of class and power and religion and yeah I think there, there are some parallels uh, whenever you have minority groups um, not so much with the Palestinians Palestinians are whether so yeah, I'm going to say some political statements here whether my government in Israel admits it or not there are two countries um, and um, we don't really have much interaction uh, within Israel uh, with the Palestinian uh, youth. Uh, we did work with them uh, separately on a project with our Palestinian colleagues. We still work with them. Um, and obviously we're talking about an extremely oppressed population. Uh, but in terms of the discrimination within Israel, uh, we have a larger uh, Jewish community and a smaller um, Arabic Muslim community. Um, And pretty much like with travelers, even though size are completely different uh, in terms of the size percentage of society, it all goes around segregation. When you don't meet people, you other them. Uh, And if you grow up in a completely different um, education system and you've never met an Arab in your life, you can assign stigma to them and have prejudices. Whereas if you meet someone and you realize they're just like you, you know, they're just people and they're nice people and they're not nice people and they're criminals but most are not criminals because that's to say that is the case in every group of people uh, that's when you start to realize that we are people and that's how we should communicate um, of course in israel um we are talking about and in the region of 20 percent that are muslim so you know it's a large group to discriminate and to other um, but yes, they would have fewer opportunities to get to a higher education. Normally, that would be um, very much segregated to a certain types of education. So in Israel, we have um, a mandatory uh, military service. Our big population are not part of this. Um, so, so you don't meet them in school. You don't meet them in in the in the, in the army. Uh, you don't meet them in university. And the workplaces are going to be very different with very different uh, job opportunities and salaries. So essentially, from the outset, being born an Arabic child in Israel, your opportunities are very much limited. OK, uh, this is the link I was trying to make between the two communities, between the two communities in Ireland. Or you mentioned the word they're very interested in uh, ethnic minority groups. And I just want to uh, widen the conversation um, a bit further uh, to, uh, you know, inequality in society, inequality in the world today, whether it is in uh, the travelling community in Ireland, whether it's the Palestinians in, in Israel. Um, what do you think or what are the driving forces behind why that inequality and that racism, prejudice, all them things are created? There must be some... Uh, fundamental reasons uh, behind are some, you know, is it is it uh, white Eurocentric male? Well, you know, it's is it is it that's what's dominating? Is it you know where where are these things coming from? Where where are these prejudices coming from? 
I do think it is white. Um, um, I wouldn't say just uh, uh, Europe-centric because it could be white everywhere. But I think it's, it is about being white and being privileged. Um, and sometimes, like you'd see with bullying, the way you feel you gain power is by making people have less power. Um, and it's a way to, you know, we are better than them. So um, I think a lot of it is to do with, um, we always had discrimination. Um, Europeans are the one that uh, went to um, went to Africa and taught people the right religion, um, being Catholic. And, you know, we can see the treasures that are in the Vatican. They were basically stolen from other cultures mm. um, in the belief that we know better. Um, in that context, it's, I think, worth saying that the, um, that the Protestant British people thought that the Irish people are uh, barbaric. Okay? So there's always going to be, even though both are white, so there's always going to be that tension between those that have power and are trying to maintain their power. And it's like people think, and we saw that, I believe, with the elections around Trump uh, time, people felt that they were um, disfranchised. White people felt that they're losing power. Losing power to whom? To black people in America, they're still powerless. To Hispanic, they're still powerless. But there is the sense that we need to maintain that power. And how do you do it? By taking away from others. Right. Um, yeah, just as you're saying there about um, Trump and disfranchised uh, people, this, I, I, I think, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn uh, also in the UK um, was doing very well, was, was, uh, and he was pretty much left of centre and been very successful uh, and then it, the that became scary again once again for uh, people who holds power and um they uh, pretty much i suppose the media the strength of the media kicked in and uh, that changed the direction i suppose the media is very powerful and uh, that's one thing that i'm really uh, interested in exploring is the power of the media and how they can influence um, behavior strategies, um, people's thinking, um, and how how powerful do you think the media are in in holding the holding that white power? <laughs> well, they are people. They are white, powerful people uh, that are at the helm uh, in most cases, um, and they have an agenda. That agenda that will keep them keep their wealth nearly. Okay. That's that we just mentioned it before. Yeah, it's capitalism. Um, this being a community radio is 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 amazing because yes. you are able to give uh, voices for others so that otherwise won't have the agency. So that's fantastic. Uh, but what we read is always going to be with an agenda. Uh, what we hear will have an agenda. I think it's much more um, visible in the U.S. where actually you can actually know uh, which chain um, is supporting which candidate. It's not as obvious um, in places like Ireland. But there's always going to be some either um, explicit mentions of um, backgrounds of offenders or of crimes or yeah, of um, yeah. upsetting things when, yes. they are, uh, when they are by um, minority, minority groups, groups yeah. immigrants or travelers, or implicitly. So it's not being told, but just, just one line there that uh, refers to some things that yeah. are... Or a uh, name. 
or either a name. I'm not, see, I'm not, I don't have that sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't have sensitivity. If I'll see a person, I would know if they're travelers yeah, or not. Yeah. Um, I have met travelers, yeah, um, yeah. but I would not have had a clue unless they would have. Yeah, when yeah. They, um, but it's not, yeah, I suppose you know, it's, it's, um, um, Things like no uh, no uh, address for them. People yeah. that have no address or no yeah, constant yeah. address. So like, uh -huh, yeah. right, are you saying anything else here? And yeah. the answer is yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. make sure that you say it, that you know what we're saying without explicitly stating it. Yeah. And that's how we are creating that stigma. stigma. That is always stigma. travelers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, we're talking about travelers here a little bit. Um, also, it's an ethnic minority group the same way as... Um, Uh, that are treated the same way as the, the uh, migrants are treated that are coming in. Now, in some parts of, of uh, Ireland, migrants are, um, you know, embraced. But in general, in the mass media, uh, it's used as a tool to, um, I suppose, divide and conquer between a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the, um, the general population. So... Like one thing that gets me, I think, anyways, and I'm not sure you're viewing it, is uh, you know the, the RT news. Um, so like you know you have the RT news, and I, I know my parents, my parents' generation, um, watch the RT news, and they think that's it, has to be the truth. And also, um, then you have things like you have the Late Late Show, who ties into that narrative of you know whatever the case may be at, happening at the time, and then you have you know, Netflix, you have um, movies brought out in the cinema, you have all these different narratives that are, that are you know, um, upholding the stereotype or the racism of whatever group may be. Um, and I just don't know where it's going. I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of feared for, for, for where it's going and feared for humanity. I think we're at an interesting road here at the moment and as you say this is great to have this community radio station because if we didn't we wouldn't be able to have this conversation if it's 10 people that hears it or if it's 50 people that hears it or if it's you know but there is something seriously seriously um, uh, broken with the system uh, because we're all we're all uh, we're all humans at the end of the day but um, so uh How do you think is the best? Does liberal democracy work? <laughs> well, um, I'll, I'll, I think there are a few things that have changed. So while um, your parents' generation would have the narrative from RTE, uh, today we get the narrative from various places. And the thing is that there is the, um, the algorithm, this black box that we don't know what, how it is made because nobody wants to tell us the information. And so that means that when you're on, on social media, and a lot of people now consume their information through social media, you're only going to see um, opinions that support what you need. Uh, and as we saw around Brexit and Cambridge Analytica, uh, if you're um, identified as someone who is persuadable, you will, there, there could be powers that are trying to convince you to, to go to a certain way, and that tends to be the divisive way. Um, so I understand Trump's position around, um, around politically correctness. I understand that it could be annoying, but there's also something good about it because there's something that shouldn't be said. You know, there are some things that once you release them, you can't bring it back. You know, I think that the, the narrative around Brexit, 
has really fractured Britain beyond repair. Um, so how do we deal with it? How we do we deal with the fact that people are exposed to information uh, and accept it as is without questioning? For me, it's about education. It's, and that starts from primary school. And it's about making sure that we teach children to think, not just to repeat text, but to critically assess every bit of information, to see something and question, okay, could there be other things around it? Is there another way to view it? And to constantly, you know, it's a philosophical way of approaching. There is actually a program or an approach that's called philosophy for children, which is all about questioning things. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts there because the way it is and looking looking at the students that are coming to, to, to university, to college, there's, there's lack of critical thinking because we don't have that in the, in the education system. So yes, by that time, I think there's a lot to be worried about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. And I suppose, you know, I, uh, I understand you totally. But it's introducing that critical thinking into the education, having that political will behind you. Um, and also, because there's the whole thing of going to college and sometimes there's only a certain group of people that end up going to college because it's quite expensive. The um, administration fees are quite expensive and accommodation is quite expensive. Um, and also there is a, a lot of privilege around actually getting to college uh, or higher education, shall I say. Um, so we had great news this week. Uh, Eileen Flynn, who's a senator, a traveller senator, um, is been, uh, she's on the SPHE. I worked with Eileen myself in, in Ballyfermot years ago. Um, so she's on the SPHG book, so it's shown a history of uh, Irish travellers. Also, there's been some, I, I seem to keep talking about travellers, but it's, I think, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, we're talking about travellers quite a bit is because it's the most innate Irish accepted racism in this country, you know, and it's just, it's just so, you know... Um, yeah, I'm so much so that what really annoys me um, is that relatively newcomers to the country uh, adopt this narrative. And you find people, immigrants, that are using the same sort of um, discourse around travelers. Now, you have never met a traveler. You have no bad experience with them. Why are you adopting it? Why are yeah. you accepting it as is? Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I totally understand that. Yeah. And years yeah. of teaching and working in the yeah. community, there's yeah. no question that yeah. this is the one group that, that's, yes, as you said, this yes. is absolutely acceptable yeah. to stigmatize. Yeah, to stigmatize. And um, so, yeah, so that that's that's a really good shift, a really positive shift. And I think also the shift needs to happen on a grassroots level where uh, People, you know, even parents of the kids start to be critical thinkers because the parents of the kids, when they become critical thinkers, they uh, they will also pass that information on to their child so the child won't be afraid because a lot of the time, the child, a lot of the education the child will get is between their own four walls and um, that seems to be, that seems to be the case. Um Am I right in saying that? Oh, yeah. I just think I'm thinking about what you mentioned about your parents. Right? Yeah. Uh, what are the chances of people that grew up like this uh, with ex- this kind of exposure to to be able to accept? And what do we need to do at the society level to change those um, those views? Yeah. 
It's a big yeah, one. It's a big one. It is a big one. And also there needs to be the political will behind it yes. for it to happen, to introduce legislation, to pass laws, to... And um, um, I don't think the current political no. system is going to do that. Um, and again, um, uh, I suppose you have an alternative left coming, I think, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if anyone agrees with me or not, but I think uh, Sinn Féin and some of the other left parties and um, who is the other one? Uh, Social Democrats. And I know there's Claire Cran is here. Now, I know there's two other independents as well. One left, um, uh, one left Fine Gael and the other is an independent. Um, but, yeah, I think there is a, there seems to be a move towards the left. But again, that goes back to the power struggle, and it's they'll 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 try and they'll try and uh, and pull that power back. But I think people people are beginning to 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 wake up a little bit. I hope so. But then, I mean, look look at the bright side. Ireland doesn't have real right wing. Okay, we don't okay. have what Europe has, which is pretty amazing. Uh, the world is going right, right wing. Uh, and that's that is strongly linked to social media, which is very worrying. Uh, again, divisive stock is just so much more appealing. Uh, fake news are distributed six times quicker or 16 times quicker uh, than real news. And this is based on research that was done on that. Um, so I think that, that at least we don't have that, which okay. is a good start. Uh, right. we had, um, I may get the name right wrong. Paul Casey that ran for presidency. Oh, yeah. Um, now he got way too many votes, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but he still was quite behind, which yeah. is a good thing. So that, yeah. that's as far as this divisive um, uh, narrative discourse got him. Um, but yes, um, I, I hope you're right, and I hope that there's a bit of awakening to the to the left, specifically around the travelers. Uh, it is such a small community that their political power is is minimal, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, how do people that are not part of this community? Are raising up to realizing that this that inequalities are hurting anyone, everyone, whether yeah. you are in that group or not. They are yeah. not good for society. Yeah, yeah, and um, I suppose it goes back to to the haves and the have-nots as well. Um, you know, just moving a little bit away from the traveling community, uh, moving towards the inequalities of uh, some people having more money and privilege than others. Uh, I know I worked in 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 different parts of Dublin, uh, inner city Dublin, and there was a lot of um, low socio-economic backgrounds there. There was a lot of inequalities there as well. Um, how is that? That's similar. That's the same. It's yeah, the same. It, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. I guess the question is, I guess the question is, uh, if we're going to be able to there's always going to be people with more money and that's okay right but the question is why should people that don't have money be stopped that early on and then personally as a privileged person who earns quite a bit of money i just think we need to pay more taxes that's not a popular view but the way to do this is to pay taxes and for these taxes to go to those that have less and that's okay. how you create basically recreate more equal society okay so i'm going to uh and to you know, have a few more questions now, or kind of coming towards the end of the interview. 
Um, we've got about five minutes left, but uh, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. So about an alternative system, I, I'm going to go to uh, you know the big question. Um, you know, people say Cuba socialism doesn't work. They say you know lots of different um, issues. Uh, when I talk to people, I always talk. I'm an anti-capitalist. I'm a. I would consider myself as a socialist, as a lot of people that I know know that. Um, so, could you ever see socialism in Ireland or in the UK? Or uh, unfortunately, or lot. Do you, I think. Do you think it is a system that might introduce, or would there be a social democracy? Or? I, I don't think socialism will work here. I think that I think that part of the reason that we were hit so hard during the the the, um, the big bust economic of the economy was because we're way too capitalist for our size. It's a huge capitalist country and a lot of it I think is to do with farming, being very protective of, of their assets. Um, I wouldn't go as far as socialism, but if we could get even a bit more social welfare systems, that, I, that would do me. Even okay. though I'm a socialist, I think realistically, uh, if we go uh, further towards social welfare, things will look better. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, that's pretty much us for this morning. I uh, want to thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. You're very welcome anytime. Um, we'll get you back for more of your knowledge and your, um, you know, your um, your expertise. It's great. It's great to hear another side of, of uh, an insight into somebody who's got so much knowledge. So thanks very much. Thank you. That was a very insightful interview. And um, I just want to thank Mikhail for coming in to um, to uh, visit us here. We're very, very lucky to have somebody that can come in and visit us. So uh, fair play to you. I just want to say thank you very much for that. Um, I suppose some of the issues that were highlighted are uh, international issues that, um, that we need to have a good firm look at. Um, some of the things you touched on there was, you know, a group in um, our own community that is, uh, I suppose, if we're totally honest about it, and, you know, we call a spade a spade a lot, it's a sense of accept, accepted racism um, within the travelling community against, uh, um, sorry, in the settled community. And it's accepted. It's it's what... Um, it's what we do. It's a day-to-day thing. I've seen it. I've noticed it at my workplace. I've noticed it in, you know, my GA circles. I've noticed it everywhere. And, you know, I, I'm part of it. When I was growing up myself, it was just accepted. And that it, that's so you wonder where these things are picked up from. And if we uh, make the changes now, hopefully then the younger generations won't have the same um uh, racist um, hate speech towards other people because um, that's what creates the um, you know creates hate and it creates animo- animosity towards another group of pe- of people and it creates one of the um, very important points that Michael made was about creating the other and whether it is the other in the um, LGBT community or whether the other is in the travelling community or whether the other is in the uh, asylum community or you know the other is a different colour um, it's just about that hu- humanity of not uh, having the other it's just you know so not practising that um, idea of having the other and that everybody is equal and everybody is, e- is accepted 
But again, I just can't stress this enough, the importance of uh, how, you know, we think racism is is uh, something out there and something that oh, we'd never do because, um, you know, we have respect for black people and there's people that's come to to, uh, to Roscommon and to Ireland and, you know, we've, we've welcomed them in with open arms and whatnot. But yet down the road, um, people will will be given out about people out the road or outside the town. So it's important to just uh, remember that and just maybe question it. And I'm not trying to create any difficult conversations or, you know, I'm just throwing the ideas out there. And it's all about um, community values. and It's all about community spirit. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. And also as well in the media, the media have a very subtle approach of how these things are portrayed, whether it is in um, the tabloid media, the tabloid media, it's their their cells, you know, hate speech cells there big time. And also some of the um, structures in the, within the media uh, serve a purpose, uh, a certain agenda, and that agenda is to create hate and to fuel um, injustice. So it's important to keep an eye out on that all the time. And, um, yeah, that's why it's great to be involved in a community-based radio where it's where we uh, look at every side of every side of the um, of the discussion. Um, OK, I'm just going to play another song now. to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on report from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lights of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Women Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme 
song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or the Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. That was Gil Scott Herring there, a fairly deep song, fairly um, provocative song. Uh, it was something that uh, he wrote, he felt very passionate about um, himself when he was growing up in America. He was a black African-American um, uh, artist. So he, um, yeah, he, he played that song. Um, I suppose it's tackling some of the issues again, uh, some of the issues of racism and discrimination in the country. But again, it goes back to the institutionalized uh, issues, which is something that um, it's a wider political spectrum we have to look at. Uh, we have to look at, I suppose, you know, there's different political dynasties in place and uh, how power is moved around in society and also how power is moved around in the um uh, establishments in our country and who holds the power and who doesn't and liberal democracy and does it work or does it not and uh, there's loads of conversations to be had now don't forget we really would uh, appreciate if you would call in or text in so the text number is the uh, it's actually whatsapp number what so the best thing to do is to whatsapp us and the whatsapp number is 0838599748 that's 083 Eight five nine nine seven four eight. So please, we'd love to get your opinions. We'd love to um, hear from you uh, or whoever is is listening. It would be great because um, these conversations are important to have. And even you know, if you're there and you're thinking that um, you know, I don't want to call in because I'm the only one that's going to call in, or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of different people calling in at different uh, at different reasons, and you know, it's important to express your opinion. You know, one thing uh, I heard one time from a famous political philosopher, he said, um, "I may not agree with you, but I will defend to my death that you have your right to speak." Um, so we live in a country of freedom of speech, uh, which is very very important. Uh, so everyone is entitled to their opinion, whether it's, whether you know it's right or whether it's wrong or whether you know their truth or somebody else's truth. I, I think it's important that these things are debated and talked about, and and um, you know we have these discussions. Um, <laughs> Good morning, we've talked the whole night through. Good morning, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, it's great to stay up late. Good morning, good morning to you. When the band began to play, the stars were shining.